on the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are strapping on our parachutes for Stephen Knight's SAS Rogue Warriors on BBC One, getting a witch on with Joe Barton's The Bastard Son and The Devil Himself on Netflix, and straight up getting chills from Peter Capaldi with The Devil's Hour on Prime. Plus, Bastard Son star Nadia Parks joins us to talk all about exploding rats. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters and a podcast that is recording this on Thursday and thus has not yet seen the House of the Dragon finale as no advanced screeners were made available to press. The wait is quite literally killing us, but my first co-host does take some solace from the recent announcement that Aemon Targaryen's massive dragon, Vagar will be a surprise dancer on the next season of Strictly. It's <laughs> Kay Ribeiro. Hello, James. <laughs> How are you Hello. doing? Uh, very good, thank you. Do you practice these intros in the mirror? What, I feel well, like I, he's so slick with them that there's a lot of like prep that goes into them. I just gaze lovingly into my own eyes and just <laughs> astound myself with my own lack of wit. Yes. Yes, that is well, exactly I, what I, I do. like my intro, thank you. Thank you, good. Good. Also with us, as well as Kay, is a man here, really only here to answer one very crucial question. Uh, a question that was forgotten during all the excitement at mm. the end of last week's show. Specifically, did he manage to bag that Heather-themed Supreme jumper he was queuing for last week. It's Boyd Hilton, and I'm not going to spoil this, but he's wearing the jumper. I am wearing the jumper. Yeah, annoyingly, obviously the most exciting thing about the last um, episode of the podcast was whether or not my um, my purchase of this jumper was going to go through or not. Yeah. We were gripped. The, it was the most spinning tense drama wheel, of all. Yeah, spinning wheel on both the website and the Supreme app on mm, my phone. But it came through in the end. Um, so Because we had a technical hitch, which meant uh, we were diverted away from the key issue of that particular <laughs> it's true. episode. But I can confirm. Uh, here it is. I'm wearing it now. Um, it is... Uh, it's less heathery than... Than advertised. Um, Heather is just the colorway, so it's a small box speckle sweater. Is the I'm sorry, what? It's a small box speckle sweater. Small box. I can confirm small the box speckles. logo. As oh, in, I see. So the Supreme Box logo is the is the Supreme Box logo, and this has got a little one, which I'm pointing at now. It has mm-hmm. the, bo- oh, the bogo. I can yeah, see the, the bogo. bogo. Yeah, and then it's just a it's just a speckly. Um, it's got it's got flecks of blue and red flecky. and green yeah, it's in flecky. it. It's very flecky. It's flecked. Yeah. yeah, it's a different style for you, I'd say. Yeah, um, it's slightly you new know, because it's very mild today in uh, in the West End of London, listeners. It's cold in this room, though. It's quite cold in this room. Yeah. It's fine. We but... cranked up the AC so Boyd can wear the sweater. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> but ha- luckily, funnily enough, it's handy. Later, I'm going to Arsenal, so it'll be handy. It'll, it'll probably be quite windy and rainy. I don't know about you, James, but I feel reassured. So, yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah. I do, do. Yeah, it'll yeah. work. It'll yeah. work. Small, small box. Small box. Small box. Small box sweater. So if you ever see small box, it means the bogo is small. Yeah. Okay, exactly. It's good. Yeah. A bit of supreme chat to start the episode. Nothing to do with the little man in the box character that um, Rob Bryden does. You know, oh, that, I really. love him yeah, doing that. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Oh, of course you don't. It's, it involves comedy, you won't know. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. So, shall we move straight into what we've been watching this week? And uh, one of our listeners left a lovely review uh, on iTunes this week saying, I really like the Pilot TV podcast. Like you, James does go on a bit, but... <laughs> Otherwise, I quite enjoy it. So <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to sit back here and you can tell me what you've been watching. Oh, promises, I taking it prom- personally. Yeah, yeah. Promises, I'm, promises. I'm not going to go on as much this yeah. week. Defensive yeah. or what? People love it when you go on. I don't know. They do do. They? Well, some do. Some do, some do. I think most of them, most of them do, James. I've seen yeah. it live in action. I've seen people absolutely <laughs> oh, loving way, it going on. The way they flock to you at the yeah. Pilot 200. So, exactly. It's just like it when I do it to myself in the mirror. <laughs> And there was another guy we did an event the other badly. week. Yeah, I did. We did an event the other week, a little like mini podcasting to advertise and stuff. And there was a guy car popped up there to say how much he loves James littering on it's, out of his yeah, box. A guy, and it might have been not been little at all, just a, a grown human. <laughs> he was wearing a small box t shirt. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't wearing a small box t shirt. Um, you go first. Boys. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, 
Let me just say, first of all, that my current state of um, uh, tiredness, I'm quite tired, is not only due to the fact that I had about 5,000 different things to do this week in a very hectic schedule. He's a busy man. I'm a busy man. Yeah. Um, I had to write up my interview with a famous footballer for another magazine. Oh, I had it's so difficult. Do all my, do a whole... I mean, we're going through the whole diary. Here. Yeah, I'm not going to go. I won't go through the whole diary. That's the Q&A Then I slept. Then I had lunch. Then... The um the email came through. You got it first, Kay, in fact, mm-hmm. from HBO saying that the new episodes of the new series of The White Lotus yes, were available. I got one to watch. too. You got one too. I did not open it. Did I last night, having watched all the things for this podcast? Actually, I watched most of the things for this podcast this week's episode ages ago. Which what? may be why I can't remember any detail of them when I come to do the reviews. So I thought, I'll just have a quick watch. I'll just check out The White Lotus. Also, I'd kind of started writing my preview for Heat without having seen it. So I needed to actually see it to make sure that my preview for Heat was accurate and right and correct. So I did actually need to watch at least, I thought, like the first episode. There's so, no, there's no. Can I just so, say something? Yeah. This is a schoolboy era. There's no, quick, there's no quick watch of oh The White Lotus. I, I started watching it. And do you know what? There is something quite extraordinary and magical about the way that this particular show exerts its grip and even perhaps even I mean we'll fully review it fully next week but no one needs to listen to next week's podcast at this they rate. do I'm not going to review it in detail I'm just going to say that it just exerts this grip and you cannot let it go so I watched four hours of it oh my oh god. literally till about two in the morning um, it is so fascinating, yeah. And you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go into detail. Funnily enough, we can I can actually say that it's fucking brilliant because the reviews of Marco uh, is Monday, um, so I think oh, we must yes. be having a big. We'll be going out on Tuesday because of the SAS right. Rogue Heroes. Right. So the, actually, the review embargo for Series of the White Lotus is actually earlier than the review embargo for the SAS Rogue Hero show that we're reviewing this week. That's out like days and days before. So why didn't we do that as well? Because it's not actually on TV until the following week and we follow a strict this regime. fascinating process chat. Yeah. <laughs> People love the process chat. We follow the strict regime mainly imposed by the fascist dictator. Oh, the dictator. That's, That's me. Yeah. 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 So all I would say is... My new show, My Massive Dictator, will be on Netflix soon. <laughs> I did appreciate that. Too. Yeah, very yeah. good. So all I'd say is, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, we'll review it in full, but I, I couldn't not watch, carry on watching it. I've actually got one more episode um, to go and also it's, it's airing weekly not in a box set as and they gave the you the whole thing no five episodes okay. out of seven five, okay. so I'm going to be bereft when I watch the fifth uh, uh, yeah absolutely but HBO as I mentioned in the intro have not given us the final episode of Game of Thrones no. so we have not seen the finale no. and so this will be going out on Tuesday like two days after people have seen the finale yeah. and we have not seen it well also time. even more even worse than that we won't have seen the final finale bit of the Doctor Who Jodie Whittaker finale because the regen, yeah. as they call it, as the regeneration, we don't get to see it. The critics yeah. and people like me who um, like to see everything in advance, they cut off the final scene, as I mentioned in last week's episode. They also sent a leak to watch it again this week and it's still they've cut off the final. They don't want spoilers. Regeneration. Yeah. So that would have gone out on Sunday night and I don't know who he, she regenerates into. We don't know. It could be could be anyone in theory. It could be me. It could be you. What would yeah. you do? If it was me, I'd be a bit annoyed because you're not because you're not a Hoovian. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna regenerate, I would switch off instantly. Yeah, I That's would fair. be absolutely furious. That is fair. I think it's unlikely that Christian Chibnall would write James. And He's a massive way. fan of the podcast. He's a huge fan of the podcast too. <laughs> so White Lotus season two to be reviewed in full. But oh my god, fucking hell, it is brilliant. Um, then I've watched. I finished the Watcher. Ryan Murphy the Watcher. Mm-hmm. I watched The Watcher. And the funny thing about The Watcher is that it's actually probably been the best reviewed and received Ryan Murphy show, I think, for a long time, in sharp contrast to the Jeffrey Dahmer series, which, by the way, 
the Jeffrey Dahmer series, the funny thing about the Jeffrey Dahmer, remember I talked about how the one episode, the sixth episode, which is told from the point of view of the victim, mm. it was mm. the game changer of the whole thing. And I felt the rest of it was pretty exploitative and, and, and slightly excruciating. Well, funnily enough, Brace Danellis, whose podcast I listen to religiously, who's brilliant, I love him. You have to pay for it though, by the way. He he reviewed The Watcher and he had the completely polar opposite opinion. He he hated that episode and loved the rest of it. Oh, he wow. loved all the tawdry, because he likes, you know, tawdry violence. And his reaction is, a, he has a very honest reaction to these things. It's like he cannot be bothered to worry about the impact that this might have had on, you know, relatives of the victims and that kind of thing. Oh, that nice is not. Him. <laughs> yeah, he. Gave, I mean, um, you know, um, that, that, but that is. I think. I think he would say that as a fair summary. Um, he just revels in the in the detail of these events, and he's like fascinated by serial killers. Anyone who's read his books, well, no American Psycho is quite a famous book about a serial killer. Um, that was interested. So yes, yeah, so he has completely the polar opposite view to my about that particular series. Then James is already looking at his watch. Um, then the interesting thing about the Watcher is it's. It's really, it's not really what the trailer and the build-up and the publicity kind of inferred, which is that it kind of was trailed almost as a horror film, mm -hmm. you know, as a horror series rather. But it's not really. There's like one or two moments that, are, it's creepy. It's all about, you know, based on this true story of a family that moves into a massive house in New Jersey and they get watched and they get sent mysterious letters by someone saying he's watching them, all of that, and it's he or she. And it's it's, it's kind of who done it? Who is this bloody person? And finally, I started watching, in the true crime um, genre, that I've suddenly become somehow obsessed with. This is unlike know. you. Well, I do like true crime genre. I'm fascinated mm. by it. I mean, I have issues with it, fascinated by it. I started watching A Friend of the Family, mm, yes. which is the that? Peacock. That's on the Peacock. Um, Anna Paquin and Colin Hanks. Anna and Paquin, others. Colin Hanks, and, but most importantly, Jake Lacey yeah. from season one of The White Lotus. Do you remember him? He was the absolute bellend mm. who had the long-running dispute with the manager. The fiancé. Yeah, the fiancé, yeah. yeah. Um, a complete entitled shithead. Mm. And now he's playing the absolute psychopath at the centre of this very, very famous true story who was a close friend of the Broberg family and he serial and he's a serial abductor and he abducted, he kidnapped the twelve year old daughter of this neighbouring family twice. Oh, and it was in that incredible if you know the documentary Abducted in Plain Sight, which was in two thousand seventeen on Netflix, it's one of the best crime documentaries I've I ever saw. seen. It's such yeah. a brilliant um I mean it's a genuinely brilliantly done um, piece of storytelling. The interesting thing about Friend of the Family, which I think one of our um, listeners uh, mentioned this to us, I don't know whether it was on Twitter or in the official post box feature coming up soon on the show, said that the weird thing about the show is it's got an introduction by the the woman herself, the woman who was abducted herself. Oh, wow. The real woman, yeah. So she was an exec producer on the show. So this is an example of, in sharp contrast to the Ryan Murphy shows, actual proper involvement of the, in quotes, victim, I know the victim or survivor, if you want to put it that way, of this particular extraordinary story. In introducing the thing, saying thank you for watching and this has my full support and, you know... See, that's true yeah. crime I can get on yeah. board with. So that that does make you immediately feel, I immediately watch that, ah, and relax, you know, like, I can I can trust that with her involvement. It's broadly going to be stick to the facts and be well worth watching. And I do think it's got a really, it's really, it's the particular point of this one is to show you how grooming works, in particular the psychology of it, the kind of, the, the, um, how it's kind of a form of bullying and a form of coercion and how this one man played by Jake Lacey was so charming and skillful at it that because you watch that documentary, you think, how do these people really allow this man into their lives, and particularly into the lives of their daughter, their teenage daughter? But it is fascinating, and it really does effectively dramatise that whole psychology 
brilliantly. I know it's, James is never going to watch it. Never. It's literally the definition of a show mm-hmm. James will not 100%. watch. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, but for everyone else, if you if you are fast, I mean, if you if you watch the documentary, it's really it's really interesting. It's an example of a true crime series, a drama that provides something new, adds something to the story. I think. There you go. That's what I've been watching. Okay. Hi there. Hi. Uh, so I've just come from a breakfast screening for oh, yeah. a new Paramount Plus uh, original series called The Flat Share. James and Boyd, it's a rom-com. Yeah, okay. deal Who's with that. Uh, Jessica Brown Finley and Anthony Welsh, mm. and I'm not actually allowed to say anything about it, but what I can tell you is it's out on the 1st of December. <laughs> um, and that the bre- I will add that to the calendar. Yeah, and the breakfast spread that BAFTA put on was sensational. Oh, sensational. Yes, yeah, so you know I like to do snack chat. Um, Canapé watch returns. Yeah, it was good. It was very good. It had everything you want, porridge, uh, yogurts, etc. But yeah, that's all I can I can say. But I came away happy. Um, do they have like savoury, you know, like egg oh. croissants or anything like that? They or had bacon cheese? rolls, they had sausage ro- the sausage set baps, bacon baps. Any non-meat ones? For, for the, they had like a mushroomy thing, okay. yeah. yeah oh, delicious. I was very yeah. impressed. I wish I'd got there earlier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to previewing that at some point because... It will be interesting to preview. Very nice. Uh, so I try not to say anything. Um, the other thing I've been watching is I've continued watching The Ex-Wife. I don't know if you guys have. No. Uh, I am on episode two. I want to get access to three as well, but I am enjoying it. And I think, more importantly, and this never happens, I think my theory from the first episode was correct. And this, ne- I never oh. get anything. So Did you tell us that theory? No, because I didn't want to spoil anything oh, right, in case right. I was right. And I think okay. I might be. So okay. I'm excited about that. Uh Occasionally be right. Excited about being right about your theory. Good, yes. good. Yeah. Um, and the last thing is, which is very off-piste, and it's not a tense drama, except for when sketches go wrong. I've also been watching Portrait Artists of the Year, which is Sky Arts. I know it's off-brand, but I just want to flag it up because it is a very enjoyable show. I think okay. Sky Arts is highbrow enough for James not to take uh, against it. I, well, you say that. Yeah. So, so I would. I'm not sure that I could get away with being elitist about it, but I could certainly wave the off-brand flag. But sure, I'm, yeah. I'm allowing a certain amount of latitude <laughs> since I got I got <laughs> oh, something oh, last week for my yeah. for my strictly shutdown. So, oh I, my uh, gosh, it, it's kind of don't make me feel bad for you now. Yeah, look, because yeah. you were a tyrant and hideous monster last week, <laughs> and um, and uh, look, I want to spread it around. Boyd was also a bit of a bastard, just doing his supreme ordering while. I <laughs> while I was chatting but come on let's all just wow. be ourselves wow um, but yeah. look at the lovely sweater you got out of him yeah mm. he did yeah. anyway James come on now break the silence what have you been watching have you uh, is this not the what I haven't been watching segment that we no should just no, tell us purely not. what you've so been watching I haven't been watching the House of the Dragon because we haven't mm-hmm. seen it because I, I'm I'm, just, I'm losing my mind that they haven't given us that episode because I really wanted to be able to talk about that but then you can't because spoilers and finales anyway so yeah. The yeah. Pen- no, the, we can say the penultimate episode the penultimate still... episode the end of the penultimate episode was a proper like oh my god God moment. Yeah. It was it was pretty special. He's actually yeah. clasping his hands together. I know, with excitement. I'm clasping my hands <laughs> with excitement. But like, so, so it's been a it's been a time for finale. So House of Dragon, loving it. But uh, Rings of Power obviously finished last week, uh, and we did our special live oh, yeah. screening of the finale, which was lovely. Yeah. Saw pictures um, of you and Helen O'Hara co-hosting a Q&A. Right. Right. scenes. The Dark Lord Sauron came and hung out with me on Friday night, and I thought that was quite on brand. So yeah, well, some would nice. say the Dark Lord Sauron hung out with Helen O'Hara on Friday night. But, <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Sauron bonded. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, I bet you did. Uh, yeah. So that was that was a lot of fun. We did an hour Q and A with them where we got into some hour? nerdy chat. Yeah. Wow. Hour Q and A afterwards. With... Is that going out on any? Uh... Uh, it is. 
is spoiler on special. the Spoiler Special, which is live now, which is good. Yes, there you go. Yes, you can hear Plugging us. Good cross-brand. Good plug. That's good. good. Plug, yeah. Bit of cross-pollination there. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. Enjoyed the finale of that. I've got to be honest, much as I thought the finale was fabulous and how much I have enjoyed that show, I still prefer House of the Dragon and I stand Ooh, by that. That's because so. it's better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. But uh, but I really do like uh, Rings of Power now. You know, it's uh, it, it's a good show. I think it's it's maybe I think it's on the one thing I think House of Dragon is more narratively and emotionally complex a show because mm. I think what what Rings of Power does it's not that it's simplistic. <laughs> It's just that it's not so much narratively complex as it is quite elliptical in its storytelling and sometimes a bit inscrutable because it's quite hard to follow what's going on quite early on. You're a bit like, I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know what that is. I don't know who you are and why you're doing that. Yeah, it's quite... But then you get into the groove because it feels like unless you are... As with like yes <laughs> unless you are au fait with like the short stories yeah. about the men of Numenor I that feel is, like it's kind of hard to the figure out what's me. going on I could assure you of that I feel like it's one of those shows that I need Helen O'Hara yeah. I mean and maybe you particularly Helen <laughs> probably Helen because her knowledge of these things is extraordinary yes I have I been mean, texting she, Helen quite a lot to ask questions incredible I really wish, want to have her by my soul so she can answer all my she questions she should write a little explain explainer everything. yeah exactly mm. and then I mean, she probably has. She probably honest. has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she is brilliant at uh, uh, understanding all the... And, make, and just having in her head well, all the kind of key characters and sects and yeah, elves. She's and, read all the Silmarillion yeah. and all this sort of stuff, so she's quite quite down with her Tolkien. Fantastic. It, answer me this question. Have they... Uh, they're filming season two, aren't they? Already? They are, yes, at the moment. So does that mean, do you think they intend it to arrive roughly like annually? You know, all I the would fun- think so, yeah. yeah right. Well, uh, in our spoiler special, they revealed the one scene that the Dark Lord Sauron has done oh, for season okay. two already. Okay. And they talked about it. Oh, that's so you haven't spoiled a special to hear about that. Uh, so that was fun. So yes, obviously been watching Rings of Power. Um, uh, the other things I will say is obviously She-Hulk finale. We didn't get time to talk about that last week because none of us had actually seen it in time. But that's a whole thing. Mm. I haven't watched it yet, but this is this very yeah, yeah, this was this very um, knowing, self-referential. It is, it is all of those things. Yeah. Although I, I'm not even sure I'm allowed to say that for well, you'll find out when we get to the post bag segment. Someone oh. someone took issue with the fact that I described it as meta, but we'll get on to that. Oh, we'll get on to that later. I'm already excited about that. Uh, I will. So I've got two more things. I'll do it very very quickly. So Andor. Uh, I am now an Andor standor. Uh, I'm 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 very much you know on the Cassian Express. I am here for it. I am loving it. The last two episodes, I've just like this show is great. And I know I didn't love it straight away, and it took a while for it to grow on me. But it's That's just allowed. it's Star Wars as I've never seen it before. It's Star Wars. I don't want to say Star Wars for grown ups. I mean that is literally what it is. But <laughs> it just seems really reductive and a bit it. snooty to say it. But it really is like it's this slow burn kind of adult nuanced drama. In Star Wars and shot at, I think, Blackpool Beach or something like that. I don't know where it was, but it was uh, the most recent episode is wild. So, yeah, loving it. The one, the previous one with the event was stunningly shot uh, and some of the effects were incredible in that. I thought that, that the budget, look, it's the opposite of Obi-Wan Kenobi, which was expensive, but looked super cheap. I don't know how expensive this was, but it looks like it cost all the money in the world. Like, if you saw this in the cinema, you wouldn't bat an idea. You'd be like, absolutely, this cost $200 million. Um, so, yes, I'm I'm now a massive fan of Andor. And the last thing I would say is I did yesterday find the time, don't know how, to watch Fate the Wink Saga. So I'm I'm back oh, on the Wink wagon. I've watched the first episode of uh, season two of Wink, and I'm still I'm still unsure whether or not it was a blip 
but I love the first wink so much because I because it's got, I mean it's edgy. There's people shagging. There's people swearing. There's people being yeah. hacked up. Like there's a lot. You know, it's 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 quite edgy YA, which I do rather like. So you know, I'm I'm definitely going to continue when I get a chance uh, and and see where it goes. But I don't know how long that'll last. We'll see. Because we didn't review it, I haven't really. Um dipped into the second season. Mm, well, Leslie Sharp has gone and been replaced by Miranda Richardson. Oh, I mean, that has... I mean, I like Miranda Richardson, but Leslie Sharp's a, a, it was, a legend. Because I couldn't work out what was happening initially, because obviously it's been so long. <laughs> if you can't work out, there's no hope for the rest of I've us. I've forgotten everything that happened in season yeah. one, apart from yeah. if there were fairies at the school. Can't remember who anyone is. And then I'm like, I'm not sure I would have remembered if Miranda Richardson was in charge of the school. I know I would have remembered. And it was really confusing me all the way through until I had to look it up. And I was like, oh, it's Leslie Sharp's character. Wasn't it surprisingly, like, raunchy, that series? Like, towards... Um, there, like, isn't there, like, a... couple? was like oh, a... There's a three-way with Beatrix and insert and the two quote unquote specialists, which is an unfortunate name. Uh, so you've got two specialists and Beatrix having three-way sex. Wait, is this YA, did you say? Yeah, yeah it's, it's YA. YA this, this is, it's fascinating how and we'll get on to the show later. Rush. One of the characters actually asks a question about the they were like, how does that work? And he was like, What well, you want to know whose mouth goes where? And it was like, okay, steady. <laughs> wow. An instructions um, indeed. manual. But yeah, so it's got it's got swearing, it's got throubles, yeah. it's yeah. got it's yeah. got everything. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Raunch. Yeah. Hide yeah. the winks, or whatever they want to call it. Anyway, uh, so uh, that is what I've been watching. Let's have a guest. First up this week, we have Nadia Parks. Now, you, of course, may remember her as young Livia in Domino, which we reviewed on this very show, as Sophie in Starstrung, which we also reviewed on this very show, or as Claire Claremont in an episode of Dodds Who that I've never seen. But she is on our screens this week as Annalise, one of the stars of Netflix's new YA witch show, The Bastard Son and The Devil Himself. I spoke to her recently about that show being terrible of Kevin from Motherland and getting her revenge on rats. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining us. Where, where are you coming to us from? There is a, there's a window behind you. It looks like you're in a forest, which you spend most of the series in. So are you still there? <laughs> Did you get lost? What happened? I, I got lost in the forest. I haven't returned. No, I'm in my kitchen and I've just made myself maybe the worst coffee I've ever, ever drank in my life. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. It's a good way to start the day. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> But but let's talk about blood because because I've noticed watching this show that you spend a great deal of it covered in other people's. Now is this is this a trend for you? Because I seem to recall the last time I saw you was in Domina, where you'd yeah. staved a man's head in with a rock, and we're again covered in someone else's blood. Is this something you look for in a script? Like how does this work? <laughs> Apparently, it's my like mo that I um I have to be covered in blood in every single role that I play. Uh, and I, it was actually my friend who worked with me on Domino that she was like, you're just always covered in blood. And I hadn't even thought about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it happens a lot. But I do have to say that blood smells like maple syrup. It's really <laughs> odd. It's really odd. By the end of the day, you're like, I'm a walking pancake. <laughs> but you feel like your head to toe sticky. I, yeah. I have to have like 10 showers when I would get in from work. Does it taste like maple syrup? That's the key really, isn't it? Yeah, it does taste like sugar. Oh good. So um, I could, I could, I could go know, with that. So you're feeling a bit low. Yeah. You can just give your hand a little lick. Yeah, lick up some of the blood. That sounds like a good plan. Do you have like a blood continuity person who's like, well, the spatter was kind of on this side and they sort of touch it up and make sure the blood's in the right place? Uh, yeah, our makeup artists on the show were absolutely amazing. And they would take photos every time my like blood would get spattered. 
spattered on me. And then when I got back in the chair, they'd be like, well, there's a little tiny flick beneath your left eye there. So we must recreate that. Like it was so precise the way yeah. that they re re-blood me. Like, it sounds really gory that I'm clearly obsessed with this issue, but do they paint it on or do they get like a paintbrush and like flick it at you? Like, how does it work? Oh, we, we did all techniques. <laughs> we did everything. There were some mornings where it was very precise, like episode six, you know, it's kind of the blood's wearing down a bit. Um, but yeah, after episode three, I think, uh, to be honest, I feel like they just chucked a bucket at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah go full carry. Yeah, that's the yeah, way I go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing, amazing. Well, let's get back to start a little bit. So you, of course, do play Annalise in the rather excellently titled The Bastard Son and the Devil Himself, uh, which is a much better name than Half Bad, I've got to be honest. Yeah, uh, it is. Can you tell us a bit about Annalise and who she is? So Annalise is the um, daughter of the Fairborn Council Protection Unit. Yeah chief executive, basically. And um, she moves to this new school at the very start of the show and um, she kind of instantly has this connection to Nathan, our lead, played by Jay, who is absolutely amazing. They kind of go on a, a quest together and I, I feel like she is, she comes from a lot of privilege, but um, something I feel for her doesn't really feel right. She's always kind of trying to go on quests and learn more about people and learn more about the world. And yeah, so she, she kind of, turns her back on her family in a way to to go and pursue this love interest and, and, and kind of find out who she is and who she is in this world of witches where we exist among normal people and how that kind of works. So, How do you think her character, because her character develops quite a lot between like the first episode and say the midway point. Because when we first meet her, she's dressed as a cat, she's at a party, she seems like a fairly <laughs> normal girl. And then obviously, as we say, by the midpoint, you're covered in everyone else's guts. It's yeah. all got a bit pear-shaped. You know, she's in a very different position. Yeah. I, I think her character arc is amazing. I think it's so brilliant that she's dressed as a cat and she's wearing a little flowery t-shirt and she's all like flirty and fun. And then, um, I think I can say this, but she gets given the most evil power that a witch can have. And I think she's really frightened, I think of herself, but she has that and she doesn't really know what to do with it and how to control it. And there's witches out there, I guess, like Jessica and stuff that would dream of being able to have that power. Mm. And Annalise is like, I don't want it. I just want to feel normal, be normal, and be in love, really. Yeah. I don't want to be able to turn people inside out with a thought. No, That's not... I don't want to turn people into soup. I just yeah. want to, you know, um, go to a normal party like a normal girl and not have this crazy existence. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Because it's really interesting. So I'm I'm a massive fantasy slash whatever nerd for this stuff, and I find the world building this quite fascinating. The way people on their seventeenth birthday they drink some blood from a family member, which is the whole weird thing. But let's skip over that. And Can then they get a power. Yeah, I mean, hey, whatever gets you through. Um, <laughs> But like, and they get a power and they can't control the power. It can be a random power. They might be able to grow plants, which is useless, create fire, lightning, or as you say, turn people into soup, which has interesting applications. Hmm. Uh, you know, and Lisa, someone one should keep away from their pets. I think it's safe to say. <laughs> I think so. Wow. So the rat, um, <laughs> I've just got to tell you quickly about yeah. the rat. Oh, do I, um, I have a phobia of rats. Oh, wow. Yeah. And when we got onto set, 
I I just they, they had an animal like handler there, and I think I don't really remember shooting the scene. And when I watched it back, I was like, well, look, I got my words out and I held the rap, so <laughs> I did it. I did it, and honestly, I I couldn't tell you anything that I did or said during that whole scene because the whole time I was just going. There's a rat in my hand. There's there's a rat in my hand. I'm, I'm about to have a panic attack. There's a rat in my hand. It's like tails. I hate the tails. Oh, but so, I got over it. Yeah, and 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 I don't think it's a spoiler to say exploded it and turned it into soup. So you did get your own yeah, back. So I did get my own back on the old rats. They say that what you're never more than like yeah, like some like ten feet away from like a colony oh, of rats or something. yeah, they're no. all around us. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, he was a nice albino rat. Although there's that, there's the biting scene where I was bites you on the hand. Yeah. So, yeah. Which, which is like, how do you train a rat to kind of, right, rat, what we want you to do is we want you to bite, but not actually bite, but look like you're biting. Like, how, how does, is it a stunt rat? How does that work? It's a very, it's, that rat has been in the biz for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's like a proper trained rat, but it didn't actually bite my hand. It just kind of nibbled, like, yeah. not nibbled, but kind of, scurried around me for a bit and then I think in CGI they ah, yes. made the rat bite my hand. Covers a multitude of sins old CGI yeah. does. Very, very yeah. good. Um, well, I'm not sure about the rat itself, but the story is of course based on the Half Bad YA series by Sally Green. So the question that I suppose I would ask is like, was this? did you come to the books having already been approached about the role or did you, had you already read the books? Like how did you first encounter them? No, so I'd never read the books and I'd actually never heard of them and then um i had the script through and i read the script it was kind of this whole experience the moment the script came through i read it all quickest i'm quite a slow reader it was the quickest i'd ever read a script and i remember calling my agent and being like this dialogue is amazing it's so natural i just feel like i've never i I have to say like fantasy is not my thing i i don't I, up until now, I've never kind of adored it or loved it so much. But I said, but this series, it's amazing. Like, I just remember being so blown away by how Joe had written a fantasy world that was so grounded in reality and created these characters where almost their powers and the fact that they're witches is like the least interesting thing about them. Yeah. The most interesting thing is their soul and their relationships and their interactions and and what they feel about themselves and what they feel about the world and so yeah i just i came to the books after i got the job and then um i actually had a conversation with colm our amazing first director who told me maybe hold off reading them because there's actually massive differences yes there are the book and the show i think in in the book so i've now read the book i read it when i wrapped i went on holiday with my mum and i was like i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna read the book and i'm so glad i didn't read it when i was preparing for the role because annalise is so different and i think i would have got kind of confused and kind of like lost in trying to take bits from the book and trying to take things from Joe's writing. And I, and to be honest, I just think Joe's writing is so amazing and it's all there for us that I didn't really want to do anything that took me away from that. 
No, I think you're absolutely right. Joe, I mean, to be fair, Joe's done some great stuff. Giri Hadji is amazing. Lazarus oh. Project. And if you watch that, I mean, he's yeah. he's a very, very good writer. And I think what he's done here is really interesting because he's taken something, which is like an interesting sort of YA premise, and he's given it legs. Like just taking things like, because obviously in the book, they're black witches and white witches, aren't they? And it's yeah. the idea that they're fairborn and bloods. It feels like it's less about binary good and evil. And it's more, and the show I think has this, it has a very complex morality that there are not good guys and bad guys. It's just points of view and it's shades of grey and it depends depends on where you stand. And I think your character yeah. in particular, who is brought up in this world of Fairborn Witches, where she's like, these are the good guys, everyone else is evil, and then ends up wandering around in sort of blood communities. And I think it's kind of an eye-opening experience for her. Definitely, definitely. I think actually you're so right there that there's so much about the show that's also about identity and kind of where you feel like you fit in and not feeling like you fit in in kind of all of these different communities and and like warring kind of witch communities. Yeah. And I think, yeah, for me, I just, I'm so, I love Annalise so much. Can I say, I can say that. <laughs> I just love her. I think she's, I think she starts off feeling like she's got it all worked out. And then by the end, I, I think she questions her whole existence, everything she's ever known. And, you know, her own family, she, she doesn't know what's good and what's bad. And I think actually she's really interesting because at the beginning, she's one of the people who has such a solid idea of what is good and what's bad. And then that all, and then her eyes get opened. And I think that's lovely because I think there's a lesson in there to, for young people to like do an Annalise on the world and, yeah. and get inquisitive. It's all about points of view and shades of grey. But you mentioned your family yeah. there. Can we talk about Paul Reddy for a moment now? Oh, can we just have a second? <laughs> wow, I'm so obsessed with that man. <laughs> Do you watch Motherland and have you watched Motherland? I have watched Motherland. Because for fuck's sake, like, it's oh, like I can wow. never watch that show again. <laughs> Normally, I actually have recently been watching Motherland as like a... I just need to kind of wind down. That's been my wind down yeah, show. I'm yeah. like, oh, hi, Dad. He's so brilliant in everything he does. Everything. But it's oh. just, it's magnificent because I know him. Obviously, he's been so many things, but I know him most recently primarily as Kevin from Motherland. Mm. And then you see him in this where, <laughs> I mean, the shit that Joe has him doing towards the end of this is quite full on. And you're just like, it's, oh, my God, Kevin, what are you doing? It's mad. And I think, I just want to take a moment to talk about Paul's performance, to be honest. I think his ability to bring at every level the human to it for a man that's turning really evil and to be honest turning into a monster like a, a physical monster but he kind of he just crafted it so perfectly and amazingly i think you're right and i think there's a softness to his performance that takes yeah. the edge off and i think it's very easy with a villain to over egg the evilness of it Whereas I think yeah. that softness makes him feel more human. It makes him feel more believable. Like, yeah, you, as yeah. you say, it's a great, it's a great performance. And you just don't expect it. When you watch the first few episodes, you're like, I'm in safe hands. Every time he's on screen, I'm like, I don't know if it's just because he played my dad and he always made me feel so warm on set. But I'm like, it's so safe. It's so safe. And then when it starts to turn, but, but again, it's, it, it's amazing. Cause it's like, everyone's just quite frightened of like where they land and, how they'll survive. And, and it's quite like a daunting world that at any point there could, at any point they, there could be this kind of war breakout between these opposing witch factions. And 
Yeah, I think I think he's just he's doing what he thinks he can do to survive. I think is, is his motives are pure. His methods, however, probably could use a little bit yeah. of scrutiny. But uh... <laughs> rove a wedge between me and Nathan. I would, yes, I'll blame Dad. Fair enough. Know? I think yeah. that's, fair. that's fair. I must admit, I do enjoy the dynamic that we have between Annalise and between Nathan and between Gabriel when you're all sort of wow. in the middle and the sniping backwards and forwards. Gabriel, of course, being uh, Emilian, who may be the most beautiful man alive, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Honestly, I, I could stare into his eyes for hours. <laughs> amazing to look at in real life as well. And oh, the screen just, the screen lights up when he's on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's a great dynamic and there's sort of sniping and bickering. And I think that gives it a real life in the middle, which is fun. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, look, this is this is a great show. I had loads of fun with this. Like I say, I sat down to watch the first episode and I may, I think I was about four or five episodes in before I went to bed. I was like, oh, fucking hell. I totally. Oh, we uh, love to hear it. Yeah. yeah. I, I enjoyed it a lot, but you've done a lot of this kind of stuff. So that wasn't your very first role was Doctor Who. Am I right in saying that? No, my very first role was a period drama. Uh, called The Spanish Princess. Oh, was that before Doctor Who? Ah, see, I thought Doctor That's Who came... Ah, Doctor Who. see, no, I see. Yes, I, I saw the love... Spanish Princess. Hmm. Yeah, I love Doctor Who. I, yeah. I, It was such a wonderful job, actually. We all got along so well, and it was just such a lovely set to be on. Yeah, it was a ghost episode, wasn't it, that you were in? It was. It was um, Lord Byron, Mary Shelley. Yeah. We went back in time, and weird things happened. Were you a Whovian before doing this? Um, I was a Whovian in the David Tennant, Billy Piper days. Ah, uh, of course you were. Everyone was. Yeah. Everyone was. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That was that. That was my childhood. Yeah, but I I kind of dropped off after that, and I wasn't into it before that. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. And so you did that in the middle. So you did uh, Spanish Princess, and obviously Domina came a little bit later on. Yeah. Is, is that was that one of these things where when you appear in something like a period drama like Spanish Princess, it's very much like you will get a lot of similar things. Like, ah, then you can be a Roman senator's daughter. Yes, and yeah, yeah. I think um, I was really, really chuffed when um, this came my way because uh, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be wearing jeans. Not a <laughs> This is great, and uh, I probably won't have um, you know petticoats and things. Yeah, yeah. So no, it was it was a it was very freeing actually being able to play Annalise and and her kind of like the costumes that she got to wear because I actually you're right I haven't really had that amount of like freedom in mm. in jeans and a top yet like contemporary and, attire yeah contemporary and yeah um but I think and and it's really exciting actually to like create a world that is alongside the world that we live in you know Annalise like she has an iPhone and she says another vision and and that's really fun as an actor to get to play with all of those things that you interact with all day and you kind of get to be like, well, okay, well, how would she interact with like our revision books and things? And and I think period dramas take a bit of how do you make them a relatable human from a world where it's not super relatable. So yeah, um, yeah no, I, I, I have to say I really, really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the period dramas, but I had so much fun doing this doing this as well well why wouldn't you. i want to run around london with blood on my face yeah turning people into soup 100 percent. exactly yeah yeah well before i let you go there's one thing i do want to ask which i always like to, to talk to people about, and that's so so tv obviously we're in an age of the best tv ever like what are your go-to tv shows what are the shows that you love oh okay succession yeah just amazing um i'm very very excited for squid game season two mm. 
Will it be as good as season one? Can it be as good as season one? Can it be as good as season one? Do you know what? I I actually really love Formula One Drive to Survive. (laughs) 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 I know know we're on like a TV podcast, but there is something really nice as an actor watching something that's not like story. Well, it is storytelling, but but I guess you can look at it and it's not connected to work. Like it feels separate. It feels like you're completely switching off. Yeah. Um, what else? What else? Oh, I watched uh, The White Lotus. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. Of that. I loved that. Um, I think. Murray Bartlett, hero. Yeah, absolute hero. I feel like, do you know what? It wasn't until I like moved away from home that I like actually started to get into TV because my parents, they never, like, we didn't have Sky and stuff growing mm. up. Um, we were just given the standard, you know, one to five, and then yep. Freedom came in. They were like, "Well, what more could you want? You've got ITV <laughs> two plus plus." And I was like, "Oh yeah, sure." <laughs> but yeah, so so it's I um I take a lot of pleasure in being able to have like these other streaming services now. Well, there is a lot of it around, a lot of good stuff. Well, thank you very much uh, for your time today. It has been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed that. Okay, it's time for the postbag segment. I'm trying to come up with a new system for the postbag, whereby I triage it slightly in advance, because otherwise it's a bit too unpredictable, because I just opened something up. Could have anything in there. No idea. So I've had a quick look through, and and we have a few this week, so I'm going to go through them in no particular order. Uh, I mean, I have to say, I kind of assumed you were preparing this slightly <laughs> and not just reading oh, out any random communicator. He's just going to start reading out his fan mail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dear pilot, James is fabulous. No, that's not what it says. Uh, this comes love from... Love his mum. <laughs> this comes from Olivia Burgeon, and she says, Love the pod. I have a question for the Ryan Murphy apologist. That's you, Boyd. I'm a big AHS fan, American Horror Story, yes. but only really the first three. How do you guys feel about the progress of the show post-Coven? Do you think it's better? Worse, campier, scarier. What do you think, Boyd? Well, good question. Um, it's definitely campier, um, if that's even possible. But like, it, I quite enjoyed the um, election era cult. I think it was called season, which took place. Yeah, was a reaction to um, the election of Donald Trump, basically, and depicted a kind of generation of libs and you know dems as being kind of completely uh, having their lives ruined by the idea of donald trump and it took quite a it almost was a quite satirical about them which i thought worked really well because you're not expecting that kind of thing and and, and on top of that it did have some quite scary um moments as well but my feeling about um the the double bill what was it called double um no double feature double yeah. feature double bill double feature the first one in the double feature i in- quite enjoyed um but the second one not so much it was a bit all over the place what i'd say but i do think in general it's gone from when the first few seasons were kind of pretty much you know straight down the line trying to be scary um fairly straightforward story in their storytelling and as it's worn on as you've got to eight nine ten eleven whatever it's got more and more self-aware and camp and over the top and silly but and yet it's incredibly fantastically entertaining so i will still stand up for it so even though um you know there are there are certain series that i, I didn't particularly love 
all of them are are fantastic, are great fun to watch. I would say. And Hotel, I really liked the one with Lady Gaga. Um, kind of before she really got to act properly, as she did in subsequent films. She's not great at her performance in it, but it's just fun her involvement in that. It's so a warm up. It's, it's a warm up. up yeah. yeah. Um, the, of course, the furious thing, the thing I'm most furious about is that um, the current season with Russell Tovey in the lead role hasn't still not arrived, and Disney Plus still won't tell us. <laughs> me in particular, Every when week. the actual you're gonna have to let it go. Let it go, boys. It's yeah, going it go. to be on TV. It's not right. Let I'm it sorry. Go. It's not right. I can't let it go. Let it go. It's almost certainly Beth's fault. She's made this happen. She's yeah. banned from she's the Ryan Murphy. She's intercepting your emails. She's intercepting your emails. The the Ryan Murphy hater Beth Webb. Yeah, yeah. She may have intervened. In which case, you know, I salute that. But actually, I think it's just them. For some reason, they just haven't got around to sorting out when the, when the hell it's going to wear. It's really annoying. It's Halloween already in about a week. They've got to sort it out. Surely it should be on before then. I wouldn't bet on it. Oh, infuriating. So yeah, carry on. Okay, another question. This one's from Rian Chapman. And Rian says, Folks, I need your insider knowledge. When is Our Flag Means Death coming to the UK? I need more gay pirates in my life. <laughs> don't we all? Uh, Boydie, you must know something. Who yeah, do you know? I'm Who out, can you I call? Absolutely no idea. It does feel like it's one of these, it's like a situation like Hacks and the Bear, isn't it? Yeah. Where, where it's like, is this ever coming out? I don't know. Yeah, no, I haven't heard any um, any news on that whatsoever, I'm afraid. I can confirm he's just trawled through his emails. He's just and Googled. not a sausage. He's no, just Googled. I was, I was checking my emails. <laughs> I was checking my emails. If Boyd hasn't been told, it doesn't. it's not happening yet. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of big shows that that have arrived recently on HBO Max and such that I haven't heard any news at all of when the fuck they're going to arrive in this in the UK. So yeah, it's quite annoying. Some like you know really well reviewed new shows. Okay, go. I wish I could remember what they were. Okay, then we'll make that that observation interesting. <laughs> but I can't. Well, that would be handy. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. This one comes from Pete Oliver, and he says, "Hi team. If someone had said to you that two months ago that Paddy Considine would deliver one of the performances of his of the year as Viserys in House of the Dragon, how would you have reacted? Because surely he should receive all the awards for this outstanding portrayal. I'd have said it's Paddy Considine. He's just generally brilliant, isn't he? Yeah. But yes, he he's is. been particularly good in he House is, of the Dragon. He has been fantastic. I worry that um, because of the genre of the show that he might not get um, awards recognition but he is absolutely fantastic if he was playing a real life king in like a big pompous period drama mm. who went through what he goes through in the series he definitely would but I I, I wonder whether the House of Dragons is going to get much award um, attention we'll see yeah snobs yeah, exactly. It's not. <laughs> Takes one to know one. Thank you, Kay. Uh, we have a, so this is the message I was referring to earlier. This comes from Keith Leon, and Keith says, Love the show. I enjoy the James Splaining. Thank you. Uh, and Kay's put-downs. Okay. Oh, wow. Uh, chef's kiss. But I have a gripe. Can you Ooh. guys stop talking about show finales? It's a bit spoilery. Most of us won't have seen them all the end of shows yet. We don't get screeners or can pay for all the subscription services. I have to wait a while to watch a show. Uh, you guys have given away things from House of the Dragon, Time Jumps, or She-Hulk being meta, or Characters in C. Come now, I'm the only one who's watching C. You know that. Um, and he says, I think... I think a show is better for knowing absolutely zero. Uh, and he said, maybe we should do reviews. <laughs> maybe we should do reviews a few weeks after the ending of the episode, or a few weeks after the episodes have aired. Uh, and he also says, "P.S. Can Kay and Beth have their own podcast?" No. Uh, um, <laughs> I like this guy. What's this guy's name? I like him. Keith. It's Keith. Yeah, you're my favourite uh, listener. It's literally the pilot listener called Keith that Chris always talks about. Um, <laughs> now, the only thing here is, uh, see, the thing is, I, on the one hand, I'm like, dude, be ridiculous. Like, we can't talk about shows without talking about them. We're reviewing shows, but equally, I am also a zero tolerance spoiler person like, yeah, I like annoying. to know yeah. nothing like nothing but I deliberately don't read or listen to reviews of anything I really want to see because I don't want to know anything about it ever 
Mm, well, we wouldn't we get, get many listeners. Would no, exactly. Could, so I can't, do, I can't encourage that behaviour. We could do like a brief like analysis and then leave a long pause and then anyone who keeps on listening gets to hear some extra tidbits. Yeah. Perhaps How about that? That seems like a good we model. Have an hour of dead air at the end of the episode, and if you're still around after that, then we drop massive spoilers for everyone. How do we do that? Yeah, I think I think, I think I've solved it, guys. Stand yeah. down. I think I think we'd have to work out some kind of separate show to talk about spoilers because I think they kind of need to be ring fenced in their own way. A monthly and kept spoiler away from special. Like, if you're doing proper spoilers, but 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 like it, it is difficult. It's like what is a spoiler and what is it not? Uh, and I think obviously what is a spoiler is really anything that Boyd says. And uh, mm. what, what isn't a spoiler? It's hard. Like someone said. Uh, I can't remember if they sent it to me on Twitter I think it was earlier last week and they said please don't say what happens at the beginning of a show it's still a spoiler if it happens at the beginning of the show and I was like I get what you're saying but equally if we can't talk about the premise of a show no, you can't talk about anything then all we can say is the title of the show is this and, <laughs> and I give actors. it this many stars yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. basically the review so I think there's a, there's a line to walk there's a thread to thread or whatever it is where you have to kind of be able to talk about the essence of the show but you know use your judgment to decide what the listener is is is, is should discover on their own guys they just did a jazz hands <laughs> no because i think hey. i think after this we sit back we sit back we get a whiteboard some marker pens and we work out the boundaries of this because yeah. it's the only way it is really complicated it. i mean that, it's really complicated because because even even that correspondent there was was his name Rian. is that Rian? Oh, no no this no, is keith keith our friend keith keith kate yeah. kate 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 i just called you kate <gasps> oh dear that's not James. good no. <laughs> get in that doghouse immediately steady because he himself mentioned how, you know, like a few weeks after, well, you know, that might, some people might get annoyed by a few weeks after. Oh, yeah. Spoiling something. What's the statute of limitations? You know, there are still people who get annoyed when some film critic refers to the twist in The Sixth Sense, which came out, you know, in the 90s. So yeah. A statute of limitations has expired on that. Yeah, well, you'd think. Yeah. But people get fucking... The, the, I mean, I remember when the word spoiler wasn't even a word, you yeah. know, I'm that old. Before the internet, yes. Before the internet. <laughs> oh, my God. And, yeah, indeed, get shocked. <laughs> and um, I think we never seemed to worry about it back then. You know, that's, that's probably why I am the worst at spoiling things, because I'm from the generation where it yeah, wasn't a thing. Yeah, but also they weren't podcasts. We... No, but there were like there were like radio yeah. pre interviews. Yeah, radio so kind of, I, I've reviewed TV on the radio, you know, for like a decade before there were podcasts. Are you going oh, back to Simon Mayer? Yeah, I'm going back to Simon May, Richard Bacon, etc. And I mean, Richard Bacon was quite bad at spoilers, I have to say. But um, uh, that's probably why. <laughs> Throwing him under the bus. Because it's not, the, the internet culture particularly is made, it's so obsessed with them and people are so obsessed with yeah. them. So I, uh, I do admit <laughs> that that's probably why I'm slightly dismissive of the accusation of because I don't take it seriously. It doesn't affect me. I, I, it doesn't infuriate me. Yeah, but it doesn't affect you because you're the one spoiling it. No, but it there are some things like, you know, there might there's the odd film or something that I went have seen, yeah, the people, I read reviews and every now and then I read like, Variety's terrible actually, spoiler, yes, spoiler they reviews, are. they're the worst. Um, that do get me annoyed. So I, I, I'm aware of how that works, but it's just hard. But what I'm saying is it's more complicated. So, you know, SAS Rogue Heroes, which we're going to review later, is, you know, in, in the list spoilers for that, they're like, we know this is based on history and real people, but, but can you please not spoil certain things? about the true story uh, that we're uh, telling. There Fair are enough. some true stories that like, so for example, okay, so so this isn't a true story, but House of the Dragon... Of <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that might be the best thing you've that ever said. That is a spoiler alert in itself, James. It's not a true story. No, no, it's oh, no, sorry, but, but, no, To sorry, be fair, the, program, the, the showrunners think it is. Yeah, sure. And I do sometimes. Oh my God, I love but, that. But there is, obviously, there is a book called Fire and Blood, which George R. R. Martin released, which is a history book about the history of the Targaryen dynasty. It's written as a history text. So 
all of the events that play out in this show are already written down. So, for example, I googled one of the characters from House of the Dragon this morning <laughs> yeah. for a joke on Twitter, and I, I wanted to know how to spell his name properly. And the first result that came up was a massive spoiler for the end of House of the Dragon. Yeah. Like, yeah. absolutely catastrophic. Like, you couldn't imagine a bigger spoiler for this narrative story that we are now watching. Yeah. And I was absolutely fucking furious about it. Oh, God. But because this information is already out there, it's really, really hard to avoid. So I know it's out there, but I'm avoiding it because I don't want to know it because yeah. it will ruin the series I mean, for me. I'm glad you mentioned it because now I, I, I'm not going to get involved in that. But, yes, but I do no think one Google, right. well, I'm not even going to say the name of the character, but no one Google any of the characters <laughs> ever. Because but I do think there's yeah. a material difference between a true story, <laughs> spoiler, but, but and, a, a, and a fictional, as you say, history, you know. Maybe you don't watch the news. Maybe maybe okay. you're oblivious. Just, yeah, maybe just, you're living so, in a cave. Wrap yourself so in a blanket. Conclude, hide away in the dark. There is no conclusion, but we're no going well, to figure so it out. Well, to conclude, I'm going to read the next message from Curator John. And Curator John says, Hello, please feel free to spoil the shit out of any recent shows <laughs> you used to and put a timestamp in the description. Yeah. I remember diving from my phone whenever the Ted Lasso one started. I've noticed lately you've been stopping yourselves from talking in detail. I guess you're often in, at different points in series, but I feel like there are a lot of good weeklies going out at the moment, or just finished, which deserve that immediate and indulgent speculative chat. Love Ooh. you, bye. Love you too. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, problem with the time James has been lazy. They don't work. Oh. Because oh. Oh. ads get injected into oh. the podcast separately, oh. and they throw the timestamp out, so it doesn't, it's meaningless. And uh, <laughs> well, it's we, a revelation. It does, so the timestamps actually don't work. I mean, so, thank God for the ads, frankly. <laughs> yeah, well, quite. The ads are what's basically keeping us alive. So I'm going to uh, try and think of a way that we can <sighs> deal with spoilers in a, in a fashion that means that people who want spoilers can get them and people who don't want spoilers don't get them. So like a sealed section of the podcast, if you will. So something like <laughs> you that. You unlock it with a... We should do like a little service. Yeah, no, you yeah. can unlock it. That's it. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that sounds like some good homework for you at the weekend, James. Yeah, didn't Empire actually do like that? Didn't they do we did, literally did, like yeah, a, a, a sealed, sealed, sealed section? We've done yeah. them before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, yeah. they're quite expensive because paper's quite expensive these days. So we, we try not to do it. Well, the glue, presumably, yeah. is expensive. But... Yeah, can't do that. <laughs> Uh, all right. What has become of us? We're talking about the cost of glue. No, I know. Right. Okay. Uh, quick, quick couple more questions. Just touched my arm. Carry on. <laughs> this one's from Alan Gowdy, and he says, it could be Gowdy, it could be Goody. I'm not sure. Sorry, Alan, if I'm mispronouncing your surname. But he says, what does a Targaryen have for breakfast? Egg on toast. Oh, so egg, egg, egg on toast. That was lost on me, toast. but okay, I love that joke. Listen, I love breakfast chats. So yeah, I'm here for so it. You're, you're here for it. Okay. Um, uh, do we have time for a couple more? Yes. Oh, hello. Oh. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Lindsay Reacher, Reacher said nothing. Uh, Lindsay Reacher said, 17 months, three days, 13 hours is how much time I've spent watching my TV. Oh, wow. <laughs> she said, the TV time app, if you put all the oh, TV switch, it will give you a run. I know one no, needs I, that. I don't no. want to know. I, no. that, that's going to depress me. No, 100% I don't need that. It's like you used to be able to type in slash played in World of Warcraft and it would tell you how many months you spent playing that game. That is not good for anyone to know. He's ever. gone into his geeky zone. Yeah, like I that. ever left my geeky zone. <laughs> all right, all right. Last one, Kay. Go on. And this one's for you. Oh, no. This comes from Hannah Gatwood and she says, throwing my support behind Kay and Strictly here. <gasps> yes! I love Strictly. It yes! fills me with joy and hope in absolute shite times and I look forward to it on Saturday nights. I also love Rings, Dragon and or West Wing re rewatches and of course, Bake Off. There's room for them all. Peak TV, Peak TV. Thank you, Hannah. Yes, you can enjoy both. And so just for Hannah, as soon as I walked out of that horrendous pod last week where I was attacked by James, <laughs> I bumped straight into Tyler and his dance partner, Diane, because 
because Tyler is famously one of Bauer's employees. This morning, I just bumped into Fleur East. They're all here, Hannah. So I did I did see him. I wanted to tell him how James has slagged off the show, but I thought it wasn't a good start. So, to hang on. So, yeah. the cast is strictly, are they cast? Can you say cast? Contestants? Whatever. Contestants, dancers. Are just here in this building. Two of them are Bauer employees. Yeah, Fleur East and Tyler West. East, don't know who these people West. are. Okay, two people who work for us. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Like um, so yeah, Hannah, so you can enjoy both things and, you know, you shouldn't listen to people who say you can't. James. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. And um, what better way to end the segment than that? If you have thoughts, feedback, abuse, whatever you want to send us, <laughs> do please send them to us via DM on Twitter at Pilot TV Pod, and we will address them in next week's show now that I have a kind of triage system going. This is, uh, this triage. is quite exciting. <laughs> I apologize to anyone who sent stuff in the past because there was a point where I just like, I cannot read back past like the beginning of October. So, you know, feel free to resend it if you think it's a particularly salient point uh, and you know let us know your thoughts on spoilers like do you want we try and keep spoilers out of our reviews Boyd doesn't but the rest of us do you know we try uh, so you know if you have any theories of how we can do a sealed section let us know mm. we'll see if we can figure it out do some kind of poll or something a poll yeah I yes. don't know we'll do some Twitter kind of poll, poll. <laughs> yeah a dance off if you will right let's have some news what's happened in news I mean I, it feels like a, it's a week late but I kind of feel and we talked about it on the Empire podcast but Robbie Coltrane oh, I feel yeah. we've got to talk about Robbie Coltrane 72 years old I've heard about that when we were doing the Lord of the Rings uh, spoiler thing on on last Friday and so sad I love Robbie Coltrane so much for mm. so many things he's done you know for Blackadder Goldeneye all of these different things but but for Cracker more than anything yeah Cracker is, the... is one of the great all time yeah. characters Can I admit, I'm going to admit something oh, so I've on. seen him in those things that you mentioned apart from I haven't seen Cracker uh. So now, it's so good. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it in honor. It is very yeah. much worth watching. Cracker's one of the greatest series of all time. Where it can is. I watch it, Boyd? Um, probably Britbox. I haven't checked, but was it I, was it ITV or BBC? ITV, ITV, yeah. ITV. Oh my god! Yeah. You oh like an yes. ITV drama? Yes, exactly. One of the greatest TV shows ever made. Yes. Is ITV. I need to rethink yes. my whole existence Humble right now. Humble pie, have a slice. Yeah. Um, so it. was Prime Suspect. Two, the two greatest. Oh my god! Um, detective crime dramas of that era were ITV. My Prime whole Suspect life has been a lie, Boyd. Yeah, it was a golden period for ITV. It's absolutely fantastic. And they're kind of, you know, I think they're doing a pretty good job of reviving that now. But yeah, he, absolute legend. But he also was bringing the comic strip presents, um, you know, there used to be fantastic different episodes, different stories, brilliantly done by Peter Richardson. And there's a great clip that a lot of people posted, did you see, online, of him doing this scene where he played, walking along with his, yeah, with his gun in his bag as an assassin in this wild coastal scene with waves crashing onto the rocks that he's walking through. And he's, there's no, no CGI stunt, yeah, back no then. Stunt no double. stunt double. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. That was a phenomenal. I remember that sequence so well. Um, yeah, so absolutely... Uh, Legend, the overused word. Yes. Yes, he was indeed. Robbie Coltrane, 72 years old. Right, how we segue from that tonally, I do not know, but let's give it a go. Any other news you would like to talk about? This news broke uh, last week just as we were recording. Um, so it's a week on, but I still think it's fascinating. I particularly want to know James's take on it, which is oh, that Channel 4 is making a drama based on the Wagatha Christie case, James. So I'm sure you <laughs> followed religiously. Um, yes, he was Team Colleen, apparently. Yeah, of course he was Team Colleen, yeah. <laughs> Hang on, wasn't Colleen the goody in this particular yeah, thing? Yeah, oh, yeah, fine. Yeah, so yeah actually, yeah. 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 yeah, he may be Team Vardy. <laughs> yeah. But... 
This is listen to this though. This is this is not just some kind of tawdry exploitative um, cash in. This is going to be a proper dramatization with BAFTA winning actress Chanel Cresswell playing um, Colleen. She was in This Is England, Trolled, etc. Natalia Tainer from Game of Thrones and the Harry Potter films, and also who I did a Golden Globes live show with oh, on Sky years ago. Top of her CV. Yeah, she was very entertaining. I'm probably still top of her. I mean, just general life experience. <laughs> did she fall asleep at any point? She didn't. Fall Asleep, no. <laughs> she plays um, Rebecca Vardy. Michael Sheen. What? Yes. Is playing Colleen Rooney's barrister, David Sherborne, who is a legendary um, lawyer. Simon Curry is playing Rebecca's barrister, Hugh Tomlinson. Wayne Rooney, played by Dion Lloyd, etc. I mean, this is going to be Epic. fascinating, mm-hmm. isn't it, Kay? Like, yeah, I think for so. those of us who questions. do follow what's going on I in the world. I think for the normals, they might be yeah. interested in that. I have um, questions. It's I have a two part drama. Blah, 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 blah. What are your questions? My questions for it are, isn't like, my understanding of this, it just involves <laughs> who's been looking at her Instagram stories and then leaking them, and then she says, you did it, and she says, I didn't do it. And it feels to me that it's this is not the stuff that. that, you know, great courtroom dramas are made of. It's not like, you know, you want the truth, you can't handle the truth. Like, you can't handle the tweet. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Like, I, I'm sure they'll find a brilliant way of dramatising it, but it felt like something that, that is, is, is entertaining for the very concept of it, because it was so well, absurd, funny, and because of the pun, it's a the good point. Which is great. It's, it's a good point because actually, it's got it's both. I mean, the actual story was absolutely extraordinary. That particularly that Rebecca Vardy, who initiated the court case, really um, took that decision, and and then how it plays out, and the whole story was. It, you're right. It was basically an Instagram bit of detection. Well, that's what it's called Wagafer. The big by, action yeah. piece is when she changes the privacy settings but, on her Instagram no, stories. No, 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 no. But subsequent to that, there was the losing of the iPhone in going overboard. Oh, I don't know anything. About yeah, that. in a boat. Who, Rebecca's who? Rebecca. Yeah, she lost her phone. Yeah. Magically, with wow. all the all the kind of you know evidence on it of text messages, etc. That sounds shifty. In the actual trial, if I I followed quite closely, I don't. You, I'm not sure he was in the courtroom. Is. I mean, I was not in the courtroom, but I followed. <laughs> uh, people were tweeting, live tweeting it, and there are some exchanges between you know Rebecca <gasps> oh, and yeah. the lawyer that are absolutely hilarious and wild. Very exposing. It's an insult. Mm-hmm. It's it is a it, honestly it will be fabulously entertaining because the the trial itself was extraordinarily like I mean obviously there were serious issues. About about privacy, etc., and, and it will touch upon those. But it isn't. It is. It, you know, you may well compare it to um, a few good men because there will be moments in it that are funny, weird, freaky, insane, and also it gave massively birth dramatic. The, epi- the um the catchphrase. It's Doctor Rebecca Vardy's account. Yes. So yes. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can't wait. James, unconvinced, <laughs> um, understandably, but it will be. It will be. Um, yeah, and that's going to air um, before the end of the year, kind of. Yeah. But soon. also, I suppose, like, for, I didn't know who either of them were before this trial started. <laughs> <You didn't. Yeah. laughs> so I was like, I don't know who yeah. these people are. It's going to be an education for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely be reviewing it. I, can I cannot that, wait. I will insist. I bet you will. Yeah. Right. Down with the dictator. Oi! <laughs> <Oui. laughs> an insurrection here. Can I um, tell you my? Have you got any more news? Oh yeah, but no, let's, let's alternate, Kay. Yeah. Can I just tell you about um, my favourite person, Dan Levy, the creator and star of Shit's Creek, yes. which I loved. Did did either of you watch and enjoy it? No, you know I watched it. I've watched I loved it. some episodes. It? it doesn't. Oh, you didn't like it? Okay, no. fine. And um, he's now making his directorial debut with Good Grief. Now the cast has been announced. It includes Ruth Negger, Himesh Patel, Luke Evans, and Celia Imri, and I cannot wait. Um, even though I have to say the press release doesn't sell it in the best way, it says um, the pick follows Mark Dreyfus. 
He's chosen to distract himself from the loss of his mum, or they say mom, with a comfortable marriage. But when his husband also dies unexpectedly, Mark is forced to finally confront the grief he's tried so hard to avoid, sending him and his two closest friends on a Parisian weekend of self-discovery. Now, I know that's probably the moment that you check out, but Dan Levy is a genius, so I'm excited for this. Fair. He is very funny. Yeah, he's Even very if I funny. I did not love Shit's Creek. But then my problem was I started at the beginning and apparently that's not what you should do. So. I know it's hard. You need to give it at least six episodes. Before, yeah. yeah. It needs, it needs a little warm up. But yeah, that's something I was excited about this week. This was an interesting moment. Did, did, did anyone, has anyone heard about the Judy Dench um, crown? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, she no, no. she should come Judy. with like a yeah. disclaimer. This is extraordinary. Mm. Um, I've used the word extraordinary a lot today. Apologies. Um, but this is. Judy Dench calls out the crown as cruelly unjust. What? Okay. Urges Netflix to add disclaimer. This cannot go unchallenged. Judy Dench has written an open letter. To, this is not in like... I, when I first heard this story, I thought, oh, you know, this is one of those examples where a famous person is slightly caught out in an interview situation. And, yeah. They're like, someone says, oh, what do you think of the crown? And they go, oh, blah, blah, blah. And, then, and it comes... But no, she wrote an open letter to the Times of London Criticising the crown for being cruelly unjust in its depiction of the British royal family, she stressed that she supports artistic freedom, but urged Netflix to add a disclaimer to each episode, stressing to viewers that the show is a fictionalised account of historical events. Now, first of all, I thought there was. I didn't have time to check this morning, funny. I meant to check on my on my um, screeners. But whether or not there is, I'm sure there is some kind of disclaimer on the crown um, about, you know, that it's based on real events, etc. But yeah, she's fucking furious about it. And um, obviously this is in time for is season it... five launching soon, which covers the, the 90s and the divorce between Charles and Diane. And is, and is generally, everyone's already, like every almost every yeah. day in the tabloids, there's stories about this new season. I was going to say, is it because of like, yeah. now it's entering the Diane years? I think years. so. Yeah. I think so, because it's fully, fully into the Diane years. Yeah, played by Elizabeth Debicki in this series. Um, but I think it's fascinating that she took it upon herself to do that. Absolutely I incredible. love DJD, so I'm inclined to listen to her. Okay. Yeah, mm. maybe she got a point. I don't know. I don't watch The Crown, so I couldn't tell you. What? Oh, James. What are you going to do? When we, haven't we discussed this already? When, did you watch the first episode when we reviewed the, it last yes, time? Yes, I watched yeah. the first Emma Corrin episode. Right. Uh, so is that, you've only watched one episode of the whole thing? No, and I've seen the very first episode of The Crown as well. Okay. It's all uh, we Emma, can ask. Emma Corrin, <laughs> by the way, Emma Corrin chipped in tell, saying, it's, a very, it's very clearly a dramatised version of events. This is fictitious in the same way people don't mistake succession for what actually happened with the Murdochs. I mean... Not sure uh, that's no, but, yeah. yeah, that's not... Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. they are literally called... You know, they're yeah. called a, it's a different family. They're yeah. not. It's not a. It's not a dramatized. Drama, dramatized. Inspired by the Murdochs, yeah. rather than. I mean, even yeah. then, like inspired by the Murdochs and a lot of other. If a person was a massive, you know, crown moron and knew nothing about it, crown such, moron, such as myself, <laughs> such as myself, yeah, like I would crown cretin. A crown cretin. That's much better. Thank you, Kay. Uh, I would or Kate, you know, whichever. Uh, I, <laughs> I would. I would. I got the bird again. Uh, I would. Uh, I would. I would assume that it was broadly true. Unless um, it had a disclaimer, I would assume it was. Like, I do yeah. assume it's I do know broadly what true. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I did, like private conversations. I wouldn't obviously because they can't be. But I would assume that, to the best of public knowledge, it was factually accurate. I think sometimes I do have to remind myself that it's not all factually because then I start telling someone else. I'm like, oh yeah, but this happened, and I was like, oh actually. Maybe. Well, how much of it is like so? When we're saying a dramatization, like how much do they stray from what we know is reported fact? I don't actually know the percentage. Like, how... well, I don't think there's not. No, but I mean, like, there yeah. must be. I, th- is it- I mean, it's a big subject, but I, I, it is. But a lot, there is a lot of research goes into it, and a lot of um, you know analysis and looking back at historical record and of people who were eyewitnesses at the time. I know there's a lot. Peter Morgan puts a lot of time and effort and his team into 
I was about to say making a story accurate. I don't think even he would say that into looking back at people's different people's versions of, of of historical events. But there's also clearly, as you say, particularly in the private, you know, one on ones, and you know, the whole thing is based on on the, on the Queen's meetings with her prime ministers. That's where the whole kind of origin of the show comes from, which was a stage play, which in which Helen Mirren basically did, in you know, starred as the Queen interviewing chatting to a very and those meetings are secret and you know people don't really know what happened in them so he drama so you have to take it all with a pinch of salt i do believe think and yet the kind of big the big narrative kind of um underlying storylines are basically true i think is that is that is the like most dramatogs documentary the broad scope of it the broad sweep of it i think is roughly true but there is a lot of interpretation mm. and emphasis and a lot and he, there are a lot of themes explored that are clearly like you know there's no actual you can't f- fundamentally say this is true that this these people did this thing from this motivation because it goes it's it's an interpretation of those events god that was a long and frankly boring answer well, I'm still sorry. Here, but yeah sorry <laughs> While, while that was going on, I've, uh, I've, I've done a Google and I can confirm there is a... Have you got a sweater, Kay? Have you managed to get a sweater while God. Bob was talking? I've done that and I've watched an episode of Strictly. I bored myself um, No, no, no. Just to let you know, there isn't currently a disclaimer, which is why she is... And there isn't a know. disclaimer at all. That's no. interesting. I'm tempted to start watching The Crown again because since since, since the Queen died, I've been more more kind of like, oh, I'd quite like to watch that. Give me another chance. It is fantastic. Okay, it's well, whatever the trigger show. is for you watching it. Yeah, yeah but, it, but see, I have, a, I have a list. You know, I've got to finish Fate the Wink Saga and I've got, you know, other things queued up. So we'll, we'll see what we'll I can do. We'll get on board before it starts. Yeah, uh, I'll yeah. try. Fuck's sake. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> any other news? Just the last bit for me. Julianne Moore is to star in an eight-part Sky original and AMC series based on the true story of Mary uh, Villiers, who I didn't know much about, but apparently she's a historical figure who moulded her beautiful son, uh, George, to seduce King James I. Who knew? Uh, I, I, can I just? Well, <laughs> I read that press release. We, that word "molded" is such a weird what does that word mean? choice. As in, yeah. like you know, like it's, it's was a, a pushy mum. She's basically the Chris Jenner yeah. of the uh, family. But you do visualize. Momager. You do visualize her molding some boy. <laughs> okay. is, this, is this in the same way that the hand of the king molded Alicent Hightower to try and seduce Viserys? <laughs> I mean, pre- sure, pretty much. Yes, that's uh, exactly what. <laughs> yeah, that is an exact um, analogy. Yeah, anyway, this this series is going to chart how the pair rose from humble beginnings to become the richest, most entitled, and influential mother and son England has ever seen. I'm excited for that because I love Julianne Moore. So. Oh, Julianne Moore. Don't we all? And who doesn't love a bit of moulding? So, yeah, love yeah. a bit of moulding. <laughs> it's all about the mould. All about yeah. the mould. Right, I think that indicates the end of news. Time now then for this week's reviews and we begin with The Devil's Hour. And in this one, Jessica Rain stars as Lucy Chambers, a beleaguered civil servant, toiling away in child protective services, but who is also having trouble with her own son and, of course, the small fact that she wakes every single morning at 3.33am after having a slightly creepy nighttime confab with Peter Cabaldi. Uh, Boyd, what the devil is going on with this one? Well, might you ask, uh, James, um, this reminded me um, in many ways of Inside Man, Stephen Moffat's uh, recent uh, four-parter on BBC One, whereby one of the great um, narrative uh, joys of that show was that he had two or three different plot strands that you weren't quite certain how they intertwined until the story got underway. And even then, as it wore on, you still were kind of not quite sure how it was going to bring it all together, but he did, and he tied it all up, and it was 
Fantastic. This begins with um, a social worker um, who, played by uh, Jessica Rain, you first see her in kind of interrogating Peter Capaldi's character, who is clearly some kind of horrendous psychopath, although we don't know any detail at all, just from the way he's kind of, he's, almost, he's clearly in the kind of Hannibal Lecterish mm. role. But sh- he's kind of chained up. She's she's chatting away to him, seemingly in prison. Um, then it cuts to her life with her son, who is eight years old and is a completely mysterious figure who seems to have no emotion whatsoever. He never seems to get he's unresponsive. happy or yeah. sad. He's very kind of still quiet, kind of stoical figure. He, like, he gets bullied at school and he kind of doesn't respond. He just kind of stands there and let things happen to him. And she has, I would say, a troubled relationship with him. There's her ex-husband, um, who's played by Phil Dunster, Jamie and Ted Lasso, who, um, uh, even though they're divorced, and he is kind of barely has anything to do with the son, can't really cope with communicating with the son, they still have sex. They're still shagging together. Mm. It's fascinating and unusual. It's slightly weird. And she wakes up at 3.33 a.m. every every morning with these nightmare visions, seemingly of possibly what's previous people in the house, her mother. Um, we, we get to see her mother in the home where she is, and she kind of suffers from various memory issues as well. There's clearly mysterious things going on in the past between those characters. And then there's another strand whereby the police, the local police from where um, she and the son have just moved to, played by the main detective played by Nikesh Patel of Starstruck fame, who we also mentioned already on this podcast, is a very squeamish policeman who's helped by his less squeamish partner investigate gruesome murders in the local area. And all these things, and I've watched the first two episodes um, kind of happen simultaneously and it cuts between them and there's cuts to the past as all TV dramas have to do in the peak TV era. And it's all quite deliberately disorientating and quite confusing and semi-bewildering. But all I can say is I'm really enjoying it so mm. far. It's very, it is, it's, it's, this is all clearly part of the bill up to Halloween. So they kind of kept back a lot of the kind of horror-ish, thriller-ish, scary-ish TV stuff. Just for K. Just for K. <laughs> just for us in Halloween. And so far, I think it's very effective. And there are some, one or two, genuine, like, scary, creepy moments. And I really need to know how it all plays out and what the fuck Peter Capaldi's character, sorry about my excessive swearing this week's episode, what the hell his character has to do with all of it and what he's been doing and how he can get, how he's going to get involved in Jessica Rain's character and what it all means. Okay, that's my verdict. (laughs) You're not going to believe this. I enjoyed this, even though it's about... Yes, I did. I did. Um, Because... Because I don't watch scary films, etc. I didn't know that this whole three thirty-three thing is a thing. Did you know that? No, not not a clue. Apparently, it is known to be the hour peak time for malevolent supernatural activity going on, guys. So next time you wake up at that time, you know, you want to be worried. But yeah, I just but it wasn't. It didn't terrify me like some things do. And obviously, there's not the extreme violence of Gangs of London from last week. So yeah. I was thrilled about that. But yeah, I really enjoyed the different strands of this story and. Uh, you obviously, in the first episode, you do see a, a link why they're connected. But I just thought two things. I thought it was really interesting, the dynamic between the main character um, played by Lu- uh, Jessica Rain and her son. Because you're like, why why, mm. why is it so strained? Why doesn't he not want to communicate? What is going on there in the visions? But also, I really think um, that Nikesh Patel and Alex Ferns, a.k.a. Evil Trevor from EastEnders. Did you yeah. recognise him? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, little Mo. That, there's a little Mo reference there, James. Right? <laughs> Do you remember Little Mo in the Iron? No. Okay. Sure. He doesn't Cult- know what you're cultural reference there. Um, anyway, I think they make a really interesting detective duo. So I'm intrigued by this, and I definitely want to see 
how it unfolds. We should say, by the way, sorry, I meant to mention that it's created by Tom Moran, who's a relative newcomer to TV drama, and it was, and it's made by um, Stephen Moffat and Sue Virtue, his wife's production company. So there is that connection to the Moff as well, Hartswood Films. So it's definitely got that. It's definitely got that feel to it, like kind of slightly Sherlocky, inside mannish, Moffatian quality. <laughs> Moffatian, yeah, Moffatian, <laughs> Moffatian, a Moffatian drama. <laughs> yes. uh, it may or may not have been Moffatian, but it was very intriguing. Mm. I, I wanted to know where it was going. I got quite sucked into it. Also, there's something quite gritty and grimy and sort of slightly discomforting about her entire world. The fact yeah. that she works in child protective services and has to deal with these horrific scenarios. You know, and like there's a guy who comes in, he's an abusive father and whatnot, and he's abusive towards her and her, yeah. the other social worker. And it's just, it's quite unsettling. And that's before you get to the fact that there's some weird supernatural shit going on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, well, we won't talk about any spoilery stuff, but it's, it, yeah, it's, it's an interesting concept and it takes a while for you to kind of work out what on earth is going on. Mm. But when the things start to fall into place, you're like, ah, okay. Mm. I want to see more of this. But it was good. Okay, you mentioned Gangs of London there, and that actually may remember that was the thing I got called out about on spoilers. Someone I... said, my saying that Elliot murders someone with a sequin dress was a spoiler. Uh, and I was like, well, I, I mean, A, it's, I'm pretty sure the first or second scene, but also it's it's not really germane to the story. Is it? Is that? Would you call that a spoiler? No, but you know what? Uh, no, I'm not agreeing with the complainer, but I can I know where they come from. That, that, I get that quite a lot. People say, in, even in opening scenes, really big moments, because people... People they're then expecting that moment, even it might be um, two minutes yeah, in. Do you know what okay. I mean? You're kind of explaining one of the best moments. I, I again, I do. Obviously, I do all the Did time. Did no one complain about me saying about them chowing down on bullets? No, no one complained oh, about that. That went under the radar. No, like, yeah. Yeah. All right, fine. Maybe they thought you were being metaphorical as opposed to literal, which <laughs> yeah. is actually what yeah. happened. Literally uh, fed bullets. Yeah, okay. Spoiler well, alert. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert for the rest of the podcast. At one point, Boyd does murder Kay with a sequin dress. Uh, <laughs> right, so that is The Devil's Hour, and The Devil's Hour airs on... Boyd. It doesn't literally air on Boyd, but Boyd, where does it air? <laughs> it's on Prime Video. <laughs> Prime Video. Prime it. Video, Friday the 28th of October. Fabulous. The Devil's Hour. Next, we have SAS Rogue Heroes, adapted by Peaky Blinders and, more importantly, C creator Stephen Knight from the book by Ben McIntyre. And this charts the formation of the SAS during the Second World War. Now, Kay, in how many ways is this show not as good as C? <laughs> <laughs> yes well I'm not going to indulge you James but um, I really enjoyed this I thought this was so good um, one that as you say is mostly based on real life so we know where we stand I didn't know anything about the um, origins of the SAS or anything like that so I found this generally interesting I hope it is largely based on real life because I will start quoting this to other people now a bit like the crown um, but the action begins in 1941 in the Egyptian desert and it's based on three different lieutenants, okay? So you have Lieutenant Archibald David Sterling, played by Connor Swindles. Yes. Who was fantastic in sex education. And I love that he's got, you know, he's in this lead role and he's really good as um, Sterling, who is a privileged, jumped up waster. He's always drunk and he's kind of riding on the coattails of his uh, respected father, who was big in the army. And he's frustrated because the British army has let them down, you know, um, through their idiocy. They are not progressing to the front line as he would like and he is desperate to get there he wants to be in the midst of the action he's bloodthirsty um the other two one is played by jack o'connell he plays lieutenant robert blair paddy main um he when we find him he's imprisoned he's um well he's about to be hung um and he's not in a 
Is that a spoiler? <laughs> no, I think you're fine. It's the first fine. time you see him. I think it's uh, fine. He's about to be hung and he is, um, he's subdued. He's the most articulate out of the three um, and he's quite thoughtful. But again, they've all trained together and they've, you know, you get the impression that they are, they will do anything in war. And so they're all itching to go particularly Alfie Allen's character, who is um, Lieutenant John Steele Jock Lewis, who is actually on the front line. And he's, you know, he's he's uh, angry that they are basically cannon fodder. Um, and yeah, so he he is the character who decides to take upon himself to start the parachute uh, regiment. And it all unfolds from there. He enlists all two, the three of them to get together to discuss how they are going to start this renegade group. Um, and it's about that so yeah spoiler they become the SAS <laughs> I don't want to say yeah. can I just say did you think that Alfie Allen had a touch of Harry Styles about him I don't know what is the touch what is that like, touch yeah, around the eye area I like physically thought he looked oh, like him maybe physically anyway. thought he physically thought yeah. <laughs> I thought he physically looked um, like him yes it's fascinating I mean just a tribute to the skills of C creator <laughs> Yes. Been known, Stephen, <laughs> Stephen Knight. Um, because it's the first scene, the very first scene, and again, spoiler alert, people, I'm not going to spoil it, but is a confrontation between Connor Swindle's character and um, his superior officer played by Miles Jupp, who is fucking brilliant. Miles Jupp, I love Miles Jupp. He's, I mean, he's full, first of all, he's a comedian, but he's a very, very funny and accomplished uh, actor as well. And their confrontation is just hilarious, right? And, and it establishes that Connor Swindell's character has absolutely no respect for authority. Oh, he does within, not give a shit. Within the military. It's, it's quite difficult to maintain that line within the military. Um, but it kind of establishes very quickly this is going. This is not going to be... I was slightly... Uh, you know, if you don't think, oh, this is going to be a Stephen Knight um, creation, you think a dramatisation of the creation of the SAS is one of the least you know, pal- palatable things that I would go for to what, be interested in watching because I'm not interested in the military. I'm not particularly interested in war. You know, I'm not, you know, one of those kind of war obsessive, obsessive men, particularly, out there. And yeah, it, is, it turns out to be, as you were saying, Kay, a, a startlingly interesting and barely believable story. And this really does stick to the facts. I was reading up on, you know, the amount of research that Stephen and I did into it and et cetera, et cetera. And if you do Google it and you, there's a Wikipedia, all the, these characters played by Connor, the three main leads, Jack O'Connor, Alfie Allen, Connor Swindells, they're all real men that really did co-create the SAS and how it happened and what they had to go through is just extraordinary, to use that word that I've already used 18 times <laughs> Don't you think in it's this podcast. Well it's r- really, really well cast. cast and I think so, that's the draw Yes, yeah, Sophia Botella's in it as well, yeah. I should say. There isn't just men, I mean it's mainly men, it's like 80% men, but, mm. but Sophia Botella is, is a is a MVP in there as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's it, it, but above all, I mean, the cast is great. You just it really reminds you of the importance of the writer because Stephen Knight. Mm-hmm. This could have been a very this could have been a very predictable by the book account of what. But he brought his sea magic. He just brings his sea magic to the show <laughs> brilliantly. Exactly. Yes. No. I, I I agree that that like he it's 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 got that Knightian touch just because it, it's a bit Knightian. rock and roll. It's a bit punk, isn't yeah. it? Just the way he slaps the kind of like the titles on the screen and the needle drops and sort of like just the brilliant one-liners that gets in there. I, yeah, it, it it has his C stamp all over it as you as you so rightly say, Void. Yeah, I thought I thought it was fun. I, thought I it was loved good, it. Yeah, so did I. I thought it was really good. Connor Swindells though, he's amazing. Like, oh, he's isn't amazing. He great? I have loved him since Sex Education, but I yeah exactly as Kay said. Like I think it's fantastic that he's got this role and he inhabits it perfectly mm. and while they're all good he 
kind yeah. of steals it for me. He really does. Like, yeah, he really yeah. does. I thought it was great. So yeah, enjoyed this enormously. And this is BBC One, isn't it, Boyd? It's BBC One's big, big yeah. show. Sunday, nine o'clock uh, next Sunday. Yes. Which is why we had to wait for the... Yes. Uh, it is also the show's embargo. fault that yes. we are late yes. this week. So yes. blame the SAS. <laughs> Um, right, finally this week, we have The Bastard Son and the Devil Himself. This is Joe Barton's adaptation of the half-bad novels by Sally Green, and it stars Jay Lycurgo as Nathan, a 16-year-old and the son of one of the most dangerous witches alive. Kay, Boyd, what the bastard is going on with this? Kay's look, the look on Kay's face having to review this show. It's like, oh no, you literally refuse no, I, to explain what the F is I going I really on. like this. Oh, well, yeah. spoiler alert. Well, Kay, no, yeah, that's go on then, Kay, Kay, tell us all tell about us. the Bastard Son, the Devil himself, yeah. which you really enjoyed. Okay, so I haven't read the books. Obviously, this, neither have I. This isn't uh, you, my usual uh, genre, but basically, essentially, it's blood witches versus fairborn witches. Yeah, right, that's a thing. Whereas in the book, they're just called black witches and white witches, which oh, uh, okay. is yeah. yeah I, I, I think actually, you know what? I'm not going to hijack your reviews. So carry on. <laughs> It's fine. Explain it for you. No, go on. No, I'm done. Can you explain it quick? Okay, fine. Okay, fine, fine. Um, And (laughs) essentially, Nathan, uh, his dad killed witches, and we learn that he apparently turned into a wild animal and tore out their throats and ripped out their hearts and took away their power. And now. Everything, everyone's got it in for Nathan. Um, his mother died in was it childbirth? Did she die in childbirth? I think she is. No, she ha- no. she gave no 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 she, she dies. Gave, yeah. That's all we're gonna say. That's she dies. Yeah. yeah, sorry. She how she died. Yes, we don't know. Actually, it wasn't. It's that she he was a young baby when she died. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And um and so the big thing is everyone's got it in for Nathan, and they want to. They think he's going to go in the way same way of his father. He's going to be um a risk to the witch community. Um and so every month he's getting tested. Um and like an yeah. STI test, but for like <laughs> witch magic. Yeah. But can I just say the things I loved about it is the character of Nathan and um, Jay who plays him because I thought he was fantastic. I haven't seen him in anything else no, and I'm excited to see where he goes from here because I thought he was excellent but also that was down to the script. I thought the dialogue was so funny and sharp and I just thought his whole character it was what drew me in plus the fact that Kevin from Motherland is in right? it. Right? This Hello? is my big thing for this. And it's he's Cole Reddy. Yeah. It's amazing I think this. it's Reedy it's is pronounced. It, yeah. Is it? I believe. Are you sure? I believe. Uh, but you know you didn't know Chris Noth so I don't know. Yeah but I, I was actually at a Q&A when I believe he was introduced as, as Reedy. Yeah, Paul, Paul Reedy. Reedy. Yeah, I've been calling say. him Paul Reddy. I know. I know. Reddy but, Reedy he's great in yeah, it. He's, he's, great. he's beardy Reedy. Totally beardy. what a contrast to the to the mother, yeah, Motherland he's the ultimate like wet drip and in this he's like fucking full on Oh yeah, Psychopath. he's he's a he's a lunatic in <laughs> yeah. this. Uh, so yeah, he's brilliant in it. Um, I think the the, M, the I think the key role though is Gabriel, the key character who doesn't arrive till episode three. I don't know if you've got how far oh, no. you've got into it. Yeah, he is a guy called Emilian Vickimans. He's this pretty boy, kind of sexually ambiguous. Of he's just gay. He's not sexually ambiguous. He's just gay. he's gay basically, and he is this incredibly charismatic, fun who totally ratchets up. The, the kind of fun factor of the whole show. I mean, it's, 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 it's entertaining and fascinating to begin with. And it's got lots of really interesting kind of devices, storytelling devices that it deploys. Um, but he particularly makes it much even more lively and interesting. And the interrelationship between these three becomes fascinating. I actually carried on watching it 
I think I've originally like episode four or five. I'm really oh, fascinated wow. by it. So it, it becomes that, this three, this three trio, I was going to say threesome, this trio. Thrupple. Thrupple <laughs> of friends. Such are the thrupples. That the friendship that forms and the interrelations between the three of them is really interesting and fascinating. And credit again to the writer, Joe Barton, uh, of Giri Haji and Lazarus Project fame, just does a great job. I think there are there's a writing team, you know, there are other writers who write different episodes, but he certainly created the show. And it's got his stamp of originality. He just brings an originality and a kind of fresh viewpoint to what could be, you know, a standard YA fantasy fair about witches, etc. But actually, it's really entertaining and funny as well as being... It's funny, yeah. When it needs to be quite gruesome and scary and all of that. I also like the fact that Nathan and Annalise are these star-crossed lovers. Forbidden yep. love. Mm. I mean, they're a witchy Romeo and Juliet, if you will. They are. Yeah. They are. This... No spoiler to say, is the witch show that I was watching religiously the other week, uh, which I watched all eight episodes of pretty much in like a day. Uh, I was obsessed with it. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I mean, it's, it's very much it's my very bag. You, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's YA, but it's edgy YA. It's really interesting. I haven't read the books, uh, though I, I, I think it's really interesting what Joe has done with this. It's a story that he's taken the kind of bare bones of, and he's broadly stayed true to it, but he's made very... I think shrewd changes to it, not just changing like black witches and white witches to like fairborns and bloods, which just sounds more interesting and less binary, less dualistic, which you know I hate anyway. Uh, and I just, I, I oh, like you that. hate a bit of binary dualism. I hate a bit of binary dualism. <laughs> and, you know, but I thought it was really good. And like in different countries, sort of it varies from, from who's, you know, in power and who's not. Yeah, no, I think he did a really, really good job with this. I found it really compelling. I loved the storyline as it played out. I thought it got more and more interesting. Very edgy. It's really, really violent as it goes along. It's really gory. And some of the dialogue in it just absolutely crackles. As you say, the relationship between the three of them is is they're a joy to be around. So it's it's great stuff. But we are running rapidly out of time and there are people glaring at us through the glass in this studio. So we are going to have to wrap up the show, I'm afraid. So that is The Boss of Sun and the Devil Himself, which comes to Netflix on Friday. Boyd, very quickly... What yes. else have we got this week? Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, which is also on Netflix on Friday. Uh, we didn't have space for that. That's like a whole load of individual stories, kind yes. of chilling fantasy, sci-fi, horror stories. That's going to be fascinating. Um, there is a brilliant um, Harry, Paul Whitehouse and Harry Enfield celebration of the BBC's 100th anniversary called The Love Box in Your Living Room on BBC Two Thursday, 9 o'clock. I've seen it. It's brilliant. I urge people to watch that because it's so funny. Um, there is uh, My Massive Cock is on Monday on Channel 4. <laughs> right. I was just saying. Um, and oh, the, the Pact, we should mention. So like, obviously we've got the interview with Reiki Iola, but Series 2 of The Pact, which is a totally new story with new characters, starts on Monday, 24th, 9 o'clock, and I think the whole thing will be available on the iPlayer as well. And that is a, is a really good new storyline for that show. I think it's fascinating. About a black family living in Wales, four sons and a new couple right enters into their lives and kind of just kind of changes the whole dynamic of their lives it's fascinating there you go very very good what is our pick of the week oh it's difficult oh I'm going to do week. SAS yeah I think I'm going to do SAS but I really like the other two as well yeah I did yeah fair it was a good week. It was a good week. These good are all week. shows I will press on with. My personal pick would be Bastard Son because, you know, yeah. witches. Yeah, I, but, uh, I did like that as well. Although I was calling it the Bastard Devil and the Son himself. <laughs> I kept getting confused. Whatever yeah. floats your boat. Yeah. And I the Midnight got... Hour and the Devil's oh, yeah. Due and the Devil's Every, Son. Everything's yeah. just a bit Sorry, we're just switching yeah. on now. No, no, carry on. It's not like we're in a rush or anything. Uh, but anyway, that's it for the show. If you'd like to share your appreciation, we have a number of very kind reviews dropped last week and would very much appreciate some more. So feel free to leave some. Uh, you can follow us and send in your thoughts at Pilot TV Pod or yell at us directly at James. MC Dye at Boyd Hilton and at Kate Ribeiro. On next week's show, we'll be back at the White Lotus for that show's long-awaited second season, which I have no doubt Beth will use as an opportunity to describe her massive jolly... Sorry, sorry. 
Okay. Essential work set visit to the <laughs> luxury resort where that was filmed. Uh, plus, Blockbuster comes to Netflix, uh, and a million Gen Zers will be looking blankly at the screen and asking what a VHS is. Until then, be kind, rewind, pilot out. <laughs>